reading uh, from um, Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 19. These are the words of Jesus. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. For no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Well, ever since Melinda and I married, uh, we've been putting money aside for the future. You know, investing it for college tuition and buying a house and, and retirement. And, and even when we made very little money, we always made sure that at least 10% uh, went into our savings. I read just the other week that 58% of, of, of American adults have less than $1,000 in their savings. So if you're a young person... Uh, never too late, uh, if you're an older person, to, to start saving now. There's this wonderful thing called compound interest uh, that can take a few dollars and, and over time grow that exponentially. In fact, um, if Mary and Joseph had invested just $1 in Jesus' a college tuition fund the day he was born to, and, and compounded at 6% interest, today that uh, amount would be 720 quadrillion dollars. All for Jesus' college tuition. So, compound interest. Well, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has really been raising the standard beyond the religious practices of his day. And what he's really interested in is our motivation, especially around spiritual practice like like prayer and fasting, giving to the poor. And he challenges his listeners to really examine their motives. Why do you do those things? Is it to get some kind of earthly reward, or is it to get a heavenly uh, reward? And in verse 1, he says that if, you're if you're, your motive is simply to virtue signal how wonderful you are, then you're, you'll get no reward from your Father in heaven. In verse 19, then, he really challenges uh, us to examine what we are investing in. Where are we storing our treasures? And he contrasts two kinds of investments, those that are eternal in heaven and those things that are temporal on earth. <laughs> and he begins the comparison by describing what happens to our earthly possessions. And what he says is, they don't last. I mean, clothes are ruined by moths and vermin. Our clothes may wear out. Our clothes may go out of fashion, right? Any of you still wearing leisure suits? Okay, those went out in the 70s, by the way. Or Jesus says they're, they're simply stolen by thieves. And you see, in Jesus' time, they didn't have banks. Uh, oftentimes, they simply buried it in the floor of their house to protect it. 
Maybe you've had uh, something stolen from you of value. It can be pretty traumatic. But Jesus is absolutely right. Earthly treasures don't last. Uh, two years ago, I bought a brand new car. It's the first brand new car that I've bought since 1982. So I thought I was due for it, you know. I was so proud of it. A 2018 silver Avalon with all the safety features, which is good for a man of my age, you know. And uh, all the gadgets and all the gizmos. And, but I'll tell you, within nine months, I already had somebody back into it and smash the front. And then one windy day, my cornhole board blew over in this freak accident. It was in the garage, of all places, and put a big dent in the side of my car. And then just a couple of weeks ago, I was sort of reorganizing the garage, and I, I wanted a good place for my snow shovel. It is June, but you know, winter's coming. And uh, so I hung it up where I thought was a secure place. I took two steps away, and all of a sudden I heard this crash. My snow shovel had fallen off and crashed into my car. So I've decided that my car is a magnet for disaster. So if you ride with me, you do so at your own peril. Well, what Jesus is teaching us is that things can bring happiness, but only for a while. It's temporary. The thrill is soon gone. Things cannot make you happy. Now, we keep trying. In verse 22, Jesus talks about the eye as the lamp of the body. Now, it's a little confusing until you begin to understand that, that the eye in ancient times was considered to be a window into the soul. And so a good eye let in light, and it brought in health and wholeness but, and created a generous heart. But an evil eye was dark and greedy and would keep the soul from seeing what is important in life. That's what Jesus is trying to get us to see here. But what's the big deal? I mean, why is, is, is stuff, why is materialism such a big deal in the spiritual life? So let me name a couple reasons why. First of all, stuff can be dangerous because it leads me away from God. Generosity makes me more like God. God is a giver. In fact, in Luke 11 it says, ask Jesus says, ask and it will be given. So God's nature is to give. And everything that we have in life is a gift from God. Now, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. The very nature of love itself is to want to give itself away to its beloved. Now, there's nothing I enjoy more than, than giving to people I love. And I'm sure you're the same way. If you want to be like God, you're a giver. Now, greed, on the other hand, greed will lie to us. It, it tells us that what matters most in life is how much stuff we have. That is the essential lie of greed. Greed says that the quality of a person's life is measured not by what they give, but by the size of their bank account. Now, Jesus reminds us of this higher truth when he said, one's life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. You can't find happiness in things. Generosity, on the other hand, draws me closer to God. Jesus says in our scripture, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Sometimes we just need to do some reflection. Where is my heart this morning? Where is it? Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. It's if it's a boat, it's a, if it's a house, 
if it's your career, if it's your business, if it's your clothes, or your family. Where is it? That's where your heart is. But every time I practice generosity, no matter how small that might be, it moves my heart closer to God. It draws me closer because that's where my treasure is. Greed, on the other hand, makes me believe that, that having more things will make me secure. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be secure. Security is, is a basic need that we humans all have. But things won't provide it. In fact, I've noticed the more possessions that I have, guess what? The more I worry about them. When I was young, I, I never cared what the stock market did. But now that I'm heavily invested in it, guess what? I, I'm checking it every day, you know. How's it doing? How am I doing? But Jesus encourages us to trust in him for our security. He says, don't worry about what we shall eat or what we shall drink or what we will wear. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all those things. And so Jesus is driving home the point that worrying about material things simply betrays a lack of trust in God's ability to provide. Now, not only can greed take you farther away from God, it can actually kill your spiritual life. Now, generosity, on the other hand, actually helps you grow spiritually. In Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, genero uh, um, faithfulness gentleness, and self-control. He goes on to say the fruit of the Spirit in a person's life, that's what marks our spiritual growth. So the more fruit that you have in your life, the more mature that you're becoming in Christ. Now one of the fruit of the Spirit is generosity. So the more generous you are, the more that you're growing in your spiritual walk with Christ. Greed has just the opposite effect. In fact, the Apostle Paul had to warn his young protege, Timothy, about this. He says, in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pains. Now, that word wonder is interesting. It suggests that it's not something that they set out to do deliberately, that it just happened, that they got lost, they, they kind of wandered away from God because they were not paying attention to the things that were important to the essential things. They got lost because they, they put their focus on wrong things. They, they lost their focus on things eternal. Generosity, however, feeds our spiritual life. Jesus says the, the measure you give will be the measure you get and still more will be given. You see, you, you always get more than what you give. Whatever you give out in life, that's what you get back plus. If you give out encouragement, you'll get encouragement back plus. If you give out love in life, you'll get love back plus. Invest your life in others, and the return will be far more than what you ever gave. It's simply the, the law of reaping and sowing. It is, it is what God has, has built into the very nature of the universe. That the more we give ourselves away, the more we get back. Now, greed will bring us to regret. You see, generosity, that, that's an investment in the life to come. Every time you, you give, it is an, an, eternal, an eternal investment. You can't take it with you. 
but you can certainly send it on ahead. Our reward in eternity will be based on, on how we manage what God entrusted to us here on earth. But greed doesn't do that. Greed doesn't just lead to regret in this life. It can lead to regret in the life to come. Because greed operates in the assumption that all that matters in this world are the rewards it can give us. Jesus clearly teaches otherwise in the parable of the, the rich fool. You know the story. The rich uh, farmer had a perfect plan. He had a, an incredible crop, and so he had to tear down those old barns and, and build new ones, bigger ones, to hold it all. And he had decided he was going to end his, his life being rich and, and being happy. But in a moment, God demanded his soul, and in an instant, all that he had amassed was now worthless to him. And Jesus calls that man a fool. See, in the Bible, a fool is... The name fool is given to someone who lives their life without reference to God. The rich man lived for money and he ignored God. He, he overlooked the needs of others and lived only for himself. He, he prepared for his ultimate retirement, but in the process, he neglected to prepare for eternity. He had gained the whole world, but in the process, he had lost his soul. And Jesus ends that story by saying, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. You see, when we begin to understand the eternal consequences of, of greed, we understand how important it is to invest in the spiritual life. You see, a generous life makes me happy. Jesus says there's more happiness in giving than in receiving. A life that gives itself away is a happy life. And as you invest in other people to make a difference, you'll begin to find happiness yourself. You see, it's our, it's our sinful human nature to be greedy. But Jesus teaches that the happiest people on earth are those who are the biggest givers. Jesus said, lose your life and you'll save it. See, the happy people in life are those who are so generous in giving their lives for others that they find real life, true life, authentic life, genuine life. One of our members, Denise Ferguson, shares on this video how she made this discovery and just how it has changed her life. Let's, let's watch. So I spent um, all of my life really running from my childhood, which was fraught with a lot of things, um, you know, addiction, abuse, um, and poverty. Um, you know, we grew up with all types of assistance, and I was totally committed to running from that um, significantly and having a very different life for me. Uh, so my whole life was a journey of accomplishment um, that was going to be a move away from how I grew up. I did well in school, got to go to a wonderful Ivy League institution. I was a runner. Turns out that running is a metaphor for pretty much my entire life for the first 40 years. Uh, did very, very well with that. Got to compete on a national level, train at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado, have a wonderful first, second, third, and so on job. Lots of great opportunities to do things and accomplish things, have more significant 
positions and earn larger paychecks. And um, I believed in all of that, um, that I was achieving my goals. Uh, I was providing that different lifestyle uh, for my kids. What I didn't fully realize until after literally my entire life broke, um, everything was shattered, my marriage was shattered, my career was shattered. Um, we were back in a situation of extreme financial challenge um, that I didn't actually have anything. Uh, and uh, all of the things that I was running from were still fully ever present inside me. Although thinking I was Christian and prayed and went to church, I was still trying to do it all by myself. I accomplished more to deliver more materially for my kids and what I did in the process um, was abandon them at some level. So my epiphany moment was realizing um, how deeply I had failed and how much I just had to find a different path and find a closer and deeper and better relationship with the Lord and give it to Him. The material chase of jobs and nice houses and not my childhood type situations um, doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know, I don't care if I live in a tent anymore. Um, I want to feel His presence in my life I want to feel like I have probably stumbled and fallen into his path for me, um, and that I, he is using me on this earth for what he intended, and I'm good with that. So what happens when we make that discovery? Imagine what it would look like if we begin to understand this principle that Jesus is teaching us. In fact, we, we get a glimpse of it in the book of Acts, chapter 2. Luke writes this, that all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. You see, in the early church there was such an incredible generosity that pervaded the church so that personal possessions were no longer a big deal. That if somebody needed help, the members did what they could to help out. They lived this way because Christ had radically changed their lives. They were no longer possessed by their possessions. And if God said to them, give it away, they did it. And the Bible says there was not a needy person among them. Folks, that's pretty incredible. The early church had pretty well eliminated poverty because of this change in attitude towards things. And the community saw this and, and they marveled. Verse 47 says that they had the goodwill of all the people. And so the, the public looked at this sacrificial lifestyle of the early Christian movement. They saw how they cared for each other and they wanted to be a part of it. Jesus ends with these words. You cannot serve both God and money. Who are you serving today? 
What areas of your life have you not yet surrendered to Christ? What are we holding on to a little too tightly? Where do we need to change? Folks, you'll never find happiness in things. What Denise discovered is that it's only found in Christ. You see, greed cannot trust God, but faith does. God is encouraging us this morning to trust Him. He says, I am all that you will ever need. Folks, what would, what would provide you with the greatest security? Having $200,000 in the stock market or knowing that God has promised to provide for all of your needs? Which of those two is more dependable? Which can never be taken away from you? Which of those can never be taxed? Which of these two is going to be around the longest? If it's security that you're looking for today, Try God. He is so much more dependable. We'll never find happiness in storing up treasures on earth, but in storing up treasures in heaven. The key to satisfaction in life is not possessions, it's not things, it's not material gain. Satisfaction is not from what you have. Satisfaction is from what you are. A generous person. In the end, it really is an issue of the heart. Again, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, greed reveals where our heart is. Greed reveals our misplaced priorities. I can't say that I love God the same time practice a greedy lifestyle. James makes that so clear in chapter 2, verse 15. He says, If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? One day my wife and I and some friends were walking downtown. Uh, our friends have always lived in small towns, and, 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 and we walked by a man who was, who was panhandling. He was dirty and smelly and, and had the not totally with it kind of look in his eyes. And though I'm not exactly a, a big city person, I, I've learned how to deal with these people. You, you give them no eye contact. You, you just keep walking and you ignore them. But not my friends, not my small town friends. They actually stopped and started a conversation with him when he said, hey, can you spare some change? I kept walking. I was annoyed with my friends that they would be so naive. Don't they know what they're doing is bad for that person, bad for our city? And so afterwards I said to them, why did you give him money? Why did you do that? And my friend replied back, didn't Jesus say, give to everyone who begs from you? I hate when people quote scripture to me. <laughs> I'm the preacher. I should be doing that. But my friend was right. You see, to really answer the why question of generosity, while all those other reasons that we give, they're good and they are compelling, what it really comes down to is our obedience to God's word, to what God commands us to do. And that's it. If I'm going to call myself a Christ follower, I'd better start following. I can't claim to, to, hold, to follow Christ and then hold tightly onto these things. 
Generosity is simply an act of obedience to God. And it reveals that I love God more than I love anything I may possess. So where's your heart this morning? Maybe you've been trying to find happiness in things. Maybe you just can't shake the idea that if you just had a little bit more, then you'd be happy. Maybe today it's, it's time to try Jesus because that spiritual hunger that brought you here today can only be filled with God. Nothing else will work. Now, usually I try to challenge, I leave a challenge at the end of my sermons. Just take a, a small step that, that might make a difference. But today I, I want to make a huge challenge and simply ask you this. Are you willing to risk everything that's important to you? Everything that you own for the sake of following Christ. For the security that you're looking for. And if you are willing to risk it all, would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, we confess that we have been lied to. Culture teaches us that it's in the things that we'll find happiness, but God, we know better in our hearts. In fact, you've told us that where our hearts is, that's where our treasure. So God, help us to be honest with ourselves today. Where is our treasure? What's important to us? Where are we, are we investing our money? Where are we investing our time? Where are we investing our talents? God, is it, is it for you, for your kingdom? Is it for others? Is it for our neighbor? Or is it just for ourselves? Oh God, we want to give you everything. Help us today to let go. And to do that, we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen.